The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Finding a way to make sure that you teach somebody else what it means to be resilient in order to go ahead and overcome those things and be a productive member of society. We do that. We're going to be steady as she goes. We're going to be living up to the reputation that Americans have, and we can potentially make a better place for everyone else. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. we got a really special guest today, former SEAC, that is uh, the Senior Enlisted Advisor to the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Ramon Colon Lopez, CZ for short. Thank you for coming. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Good to be it. here. So we were talking about the premise of the show, and it's something that, you know, <clears throat> as a leader, uh, I mean, a lifelong leader of people, right, in some of the highest levels of operations and government, um, you're, you know, uniquely familiar with. <sighs> but before we get into all that stuff, tell me about how you got into, like, your upbringing a little bit, where you, where you were born, where you grew up. Tell me about your parents, and then what made you decide to join the U.S. military? Yeah, so my story is, uh, I guess, it's one of the textbook, uh, you know, come from nothing, decide to go ahead and take control of your life and do something not only for self but uh, for others. But I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, uh, southwest corner of the island, a place called Guanica. Uh, grew up fairly poor. My parents were both uh, blue-collar, uh, mildly educated. Uh, my father did a short stint in the Army. My mother at the time was a substitute teacher. And at the age of 13, jobs dried up on the island. Mm. We decided to just sell everything and move to Bridgeport, Connecticut. You know. My parents previously had lived in New York City in Queens, so they went back to a place where they were familiar with. That's um, a big culture shift from, where, where in Puerto Rico do you live? So, Guanica is a small uh, coastal town on the southwest corner. Southwest, so like south of Rincon, two hours, give or take? Yeah, like so that? south of Rincon, you're probably looking at about an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. down south. Uh, best surf break in Puerto Rico. By yeah, the way. it's kind of like there's a little mini rainforest down there too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so actually, yeah, you have on the other side, on the east side of the island, you have the big rain uh, forest, El Yunque. Mm. 
and uh, very, very diverse ecosystem mm -hmm. out there. But yeah. yeah, shocking to say the least, you know, going from <laughs> summer year round to, you know, very harsh winters yeah. up in Bridgeport. So we ended up uh, settling <clears throat> in Bridgeport, you know, went to high school there uh, and was given several opportunities that I took advantage mm -hmm. of. One of them, you know, being able to uh, be put in a Catholic school mm -hmm. uh, by a priest paying for my, uh, my tuition mm -hmm. as long as I maintain a certain GPA. And then uh, going to college and realizing that I wasn't doing much in college, and I decided to join the service to get some discipline and structure in my life. Okay. So that was the, the precursor of me joining the military. And how, so you joined the military when you were 18 or 19, 20? I was, I was 19 years 19, of okay. age. Yeah. Um, and you went into uh, what career field? I was a transportation specialist, okay. man. I was the person that shipped your household goods. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And how long did you do that? Well, I did that for about two years. Mm -hmm. I almost got kicked out of the air. Oh, shit. What for happened? For being a wild ass. <laughs> well. And, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, basically too much energy, uh, ended up getting into a fight and, you know, Article 15 mm -hmm. almost, you know, lost a yeah. stripe. And well, I mean, if you're not, if, if college isn't stimulating you, a logistics job probably isn't going to stimulate you either, frankly, yeah, right? Well, but you see, that was that was part of it. And uh, it was the fact that I was having a mismatch in what I should be doing in life. I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really satisfied with what I was doing. And I didn't really have a clear, defined purpose. And uh, I don't think transportation was it for me. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how even in your adult life when you make changes, when you're doing the right thing or you're with the right people or specifically with your with the right person like your partner in life your wife or spouse or whoever things do just seem to get a little easier and fall into place and it's because you're not trying to ice skate uphill yep. you know what i mean i mean it's just like that's how life works so it's a delicate balance between finding hard things to do to challenge yourself and not being an idiot and just butting your head up against the wall doing what is clearly the wrong thing over and over right so well, yeah. it's, and a lot of it is culture and personality match like if i'm there are leaf eaters and there are carnivores and you are very clearly a carnivore right oh yeah meat eater all the way man keep that uh yeah a little closer yeah meat eater all the way <clears throat> yeah. and uh so what well, happened after you get in a little trouble you're in transpo and then you uh make some other decisions right well it was at that time where i was once again struggling to mm -hmm. figure out man is this really the place for me then so college didn't work, the military clearly is not working. What is it that I need? And by chance, once again, I got to meet a PJ that ended up asking me if I ever thought about going into special operations. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a, I didn't have a clue what that and was And when, when, what year was this? This is uh, 1993. Okay, so Mogadishu is going on. Yeah. AFSA community is in, uh, actively involved in an engagement down there. Yeah, and you know, to my surprise, because I didn't know anything about the career field, I grabbed that Airman magazine that had mm. the story of oh, yeah. uh, Gothic Serpent yep. with uh, Scotty Fells and mm -hmm. Tim Wilkinson and uh, Jeff Bray. Yep. And I read that story, and I was just like, I think this is a place where I can find that purpose. I mean, that's a crazy story. You watch the movie, read the book by Jim Bowden, or watch the movie Black Hawk Down or whatever, and you can see those guys on what is an active crash site, but also an active gunfight with a giant fucking saw trying to get their dudes out of that aircraft and get them out of there. It's like, man, and I remember our PAO, we had one PAO who we would be in gunfights and this motherfucker's running around, no weapon with a camera. I'm like, you're, we might be crazy, but you're out of your fucking mind, dude. You know what I mean? So this like, I, I mentioned that because <clears throat> AFSOC is unique for uh, U S special operations in that, 
it isn't direct action most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's like you're doing other stuff while gunfights and are going on and bombs are dropping and shit like that. It's a, it's a different kind of person to be able to do that shit, frankly. Well, yeah, and it's it's a lot of critical thinking, mm-hmm. to be honest Under with you. Under extreme stress, too. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, like for example, you know, in that uh, the Battle of Mogadishu, those guys were basically what we call making chicken soup out of chicken mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. They were just basically, we'll figure it out mm-hmm. right now and we'll be able to get this, uh, this boys out of here. But uh, so that was uh, a motivating factor uh, at a time where a lot of people told me that I wasn't going to make it through the program. The program at the time was having, on average, about a 90% washout rate. Basically, 90% of the people that came into the program didn't make it through. And I was about 100 and, 145, 50 pounds wet. And uh, I wasn't the, the archetypical, you know, Johnny Football hero mm-hmm. to go in there and say, hey, here I come to save right. the day. But, uh, man, went through the pipeline. And uh, as I went through that rigorous training that's when I started figuring out my purpose and things started making sense and what I started you, taking life serious. What do you think it was? Was it the seriousness of purpose of the career field that did it for you? You know what I mean? What, what do you think it was that made that switch flip for you, I guess? The fact that I was taking ownership of my actions, mm. I was driving the outcomes, and I wasn't letting anybody tell me that I couldn't do something mm. that they were not willing to do okay. themselves. So the, uh, a lot of this, I just talked to somebody about this this morning. Um, for me in the 82nd, I was, you, you can't be, if you're a gunfighter, you can't be afraid to die because you'll never do anything. You'll be paralyzed with fear all the time. Um, but the one thing that I think is common amongst a bunch of guys, I don't know if fear is the right word for it, but the thing that keeps me up at night is failing the men around me, right? Like I, I can, and, and I think that you carry that into your adult, your full adult life with your families. Like you don't want to let your family down either. I think that's a much bigger motivator than fear or anger will ever be, Right. Because it's rooted in something positive, love. Like you love these people, you want to protect them, right? That's who. That's what men do, biologically speaking. That's why we were. That's why we are the way we are, is to protect shit. So I wonder if it wasn't. Just, like part of it is that fuck you attitude. Like you're not going to tell me I can't do something, right? Yeah. But now the stakes aren't. Well, this dude's housing uh, stuff isn't going to get to him on time. That's the stakes are relatively low there, right? Like you're going to give somebody a bad day on this new job you fuck up and somebody dies, right? I mean, it's quite a bit different. I think that, I think when you raise the stakes in your life, that's when you really start to, to, to discover what your real purpose is. Well, and I think the other variable is the fact that you know that everybody that is surrounding you has gone through the same freaking crucible right. to get to mm-hmm. where they are. So that creates an even stronger bond. But going back to your comment of, you know, this is what, you know, men do mm. uh we're protectors whether it's our family mm. you know uh yeah there's there's a big sense of that and when you look at the model pararescue that others may live i mean it defines yeah. it yeah, yeah and yeah so that's that's what actually clicked it's like you pay your dues you did something that very few people can do and now you're surrounded by people that are willing, that are willing to sacrifice equally mm. in order to go ahead and achieve the same outcome right. so and it's all like we talk about in the military we talk about selfless service a lot and there's opportunities uh, in combat for that all the time, no matter what your job is, but your, that particular career field is defined by that, right? Mm -hmm. Like as an infantryman, my job is to close with and destroy the enemy in close quarters, right? That's my job. Your job is to rescue people. It's right in the name. It's right there in the title, right? So it's like, I think for me, it's quite a bit more of a dynamic situation. Now we get into those situations where our buddies are fucked up and we go help them out, get them out of bad situation or even civilians or whatever, the, whatever is going on. But it's not a primary focus all the time. Like we're, we're, 
I wonder if your career field isn't more like what it's like to be a cop. You know what I mean? Where it isn't, you have to be aggressive most of the time. You have to at least be ready to be aggressive all the time, but it isn't always about the violence. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Most of the time it's about awareness in a lot of ways. Right. And it's just a much more complicated job than what I did mentally speaking. Well, mentally speaking, you're absolutely right because, I mean, in the military, I always tell people that it's fairly easy. You know, we mm. get our marching orders, yeah. we go and execute the mission, and then we debrief just to make sure that we didn't miss anything. At the same time that that dynamic is taking place, the pararescue is sitting back, all right, so these are the potential things that can go wrong. Mm. And if that shit happens, this is what I need to do in order to make that work. And this is what I need to make that work. And what happens if I don't have that? then I have to go ahead and make sure that I look at the environment mm-hmm. around me to see what else I can do to go ahead and create the best possible outcome mm-hmm. for whatever injury takes place downrange. Sure. So it, it's, it's always critical thinking, but that's, that's the way that the, that the animal is bred. Mm-hmm. You know, from the beginning, in the pipeline, all the way up to the final two, you know, it takes two years to yeah, create yeah. a pararescue man. <clears throat> at the end of the two years, that is ingrained in your head that you have to be thinking through things. You have to be thinking of the worst possible outcome mm. and be able to react to it. Well, how do you think that affected you? Because you're, the way you describe yourself younger and this, I mean, obviously very immature, right? Mm-hmm. But motivated, but immature. Like it's, I think it's, that's common, Especially during the global war on terror is interesting because in the 82nd, most of the E5s are like 22 years old, right? They're children, they're knuckleheads, right, (laughs) that are running around in charge of other dudes and millions of dollars worth of equipment in very serious situations, but perform admirably. You know what I mean? It makes you grow up. But I wonder like how that transition period from your early 20s to your mid 20s, like changed you as a person, like how when, when you met your wife and started to have a family and shit like how did that map on to your normal life because i think a lot of dudes see themselves as two people i'm the mm-hmm. warrior and i'm the, the family guy but i don't think those are two different things you know what i mean i think the motivations for the the certainly the execution is different but the motivation and core principle of those things are exactly the same to me yeah well and i mentioned the things that you learned in the pipeline right so one of the very first tasks that you get as a pararescue trainee is to memorize the pararescue man's code. Mm. And that quote, that code is, it is my duty as a pararescue man to save lives and aid the injured. I will be prepared at all times to perform my assigned duties quickly and efficiently, placing these duties before personal desires and comforts. These things we do, that others may live. Now, when you look at that code, it is a roadmap for what your life should be. And to me, there was not a line between the warrior and the husband. Mm. I needed to apply the same amount of effort in order to go ahead and be successful in marriage mm. and in combat. Right. Sometimes I came up short sure, yeah. on the, on the mm. family side because you know, 20 years of fighting uh, can create a lot, of, uh, a lot of problems and a lot of issues, mm. but to the greatest extent, man, that, that was my script for life. It was that code because I believed in it right. because it changed my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the reason we have these ethos, you know, Yeah. to, to organize your life around. And it's, um, it's why I'm not religious, but it's why people are drawn towards religion. Here, here's a 
here's some examples of what it means to be a good human being, right? And be a good man, be a good woman, whatever it is. Okay, fine. I can do that. Like we, the, we, we, we must as leaders communicate very specifically what we expect out of people. Setting expectations is really important. You know what I mean? It's like task condition standard. That's why we do it that way. Um, but <clears throat> things have gotten a lot more fluid these days, right? It's like, we're questioning what reality is, things like that. It's, it's bizarre. We live in the dumbest period in human history, I think. I agree with yeah. you. It's like we have all the information possible. And it, the best example, other than the social stuff, is probably just diet. Like we know all that bullshit that the government said in the 50s about eating grain and, and low fat and all that bullshit was completely wrong. And, but people are still doing it now, right? Yeah. They still eat garbage food. And they walk around feeling like shit all the time. They can't figure out why heart disease is still the number one killer in America for no fucking reason other than their own stupidity. Right. Um, it drives me crazy. It, yeah, it drives me absolutely insane. And even even in the middle, you go into a chow hall sometimes. You're like, what the fuck is this? This should not even be available here. You, you got like box juice and fucking donuts like oh, uh, what is it? Otis Spunkmeyer fucking muffins and shit. Get that out of here. Yeah, That's processed nasty bullshit. Still there, man, on the menu. How is that possible? Well, why? Why is that possible? Well, and that is that is part of the problem, right? To where we institute things, and because we attach a budget to it, then we must always do it for the long run because this is what we got. But I will tell you that the food in our military uh, child holes is probably the worst. Mm -hmm. and why don't we have a, a career field that grows food for us on well, the fucking base or something like that, we're, right? We're working on that. We're working on that to revolutionize the way that we feed the machine. Mm -hmm. Because logistics win wars, right? Exactly. I think I believe Patton said that. Am I right about that? I think it was Patton yeah. that said that. Soldiers win battles, logistics win wars. Yes. I believe. And uh, but if you look at the the amount of money that we spend on weapon systems, mm. you know, take the F twenty two and the F thirty five as an example. The tail end of that thing to the helmet, you know, mm. an obscene amount. But we're always uh, falling short on how we take care of the human weapon system. Mm. And a lot of that is the fuel that goes into that system, and we need to do better by mm. our people. And when you look at the problems that society is having with obesity and disease, and the fact that we don't have enough able young men and women to come into service because of that, man, we need to go ahead and change the habits from the beginning. 77% of 16 to 19-year-olds are ineligible for military service because yeah. of their physical condition. Yeah, it was actually uh, 19 to 26 years of age. 19 still, to 26, sorry, yeah, yeah. It's still in the in the high 70%. That's... What the fuck? It's, it's mind-boggling. But we're, I mean, even when you get in, let's say you're, you're marginal, you're on the borderline, but you're good enough to get in, you get in, your lifestyle isn't changing enough to make you elite, right? If you're going into the fucking child, and if you're an E1 to E3, maybe even an E4, it's not like you're going out and buying your own food because you don't have any no. money. You know what I mean? You're making like 1600 bucks yeah. a month. So um, you're, you have to eat that stuff. So you're saying there's at least some discussion about growing not, our own food. Not discussion. Uh, there's action. Okay. Yeah. Well, do we, you, can we, you talk about what it is? So right now, you know, the way that society is, so a lot of our, our youth, you know, the, the technological age, you mm -hmm. know, they're very introverted. You know, they're not the social, they don't like to go out to the rec center and hang right. out with their buddies. They like to be in their rooms. And that's part of the problem because they will go ahead and get that crap from the child hall, mm. bring it to the room, and then eat that and eat their game uh, and play their play video, video games. Game, yeah. uh, this episode is also brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. 
Com. The best coffee in the world. As a matter of fact, they won both the gold and bronze medal at the Golden Bean Awards this year for their exclusive coffee club entries in the elite category. So the best coffee on earth literally was Circus Bear by Black Rifle, one of their ECS. So I recommend that you go sign up for the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. And, uh, you know, you get all the benefits from being in the coffee club. You get the free shipping. You get access to all the partner deals. Uh, uh, you get access to the exclusive coffee club. You get access to any new products that come out before anybody else does. You know, it's a very large club that they have over there. And the coffees are premium. Every single one of them is good. Uh, you, you're going to get experience for you. You can do just the plain coffee club. And if you want your two bags of, of uh, espresso or your two bags of silence or smooth or whatever it is you drink you can get those two bags or one bag or whatever you want every month or and or rather you can use the ecs the exclusive coffee club and get access to some of the most premium coffees on the planet and kind of learn what it is that you like you know what i mean so then you can order those premium coffees from black rifle as well so and we all know they got the best branding the best merch and their buddies you know we're all friends here uh, we love Black Rifle. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, or buy something. Do whatever you want. Um, use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. What we're looking at doing is, number one, changing the supply chain system of the type of quality of food that goes into those chow homes. Mm -hmm. Number two, make it accessible for people to where you have a satellite kitchen, just like they do at the airports right now, to where you can pick certain healthy choices in there, and it's right there in the barracks, mm. to where you just walk down, and then you order it, and then it comes in, and then you go ahead and uh, mm. eat it. And then the other thing is the field rations as well. What else can we be doing with the technology that we have today to have things that are worthy of human consumption? Right, stuff, so, that, stuff that's freeze-dried dry, freeze instead of preserved, for example, yes. is really good. So the difference is, at its peak, freshness you freeze dry something it can be rehydrated and eaten without any kind of detriment to the body yeah. whereas you add preservatives and fake sugars and things like that and it fucks your body up yeah, yeah. not it doesn't even take that long in a couple of years of sustained exposure to that your body chemistry changes you, your body loses the ability to process sugar correctly for example which creates type 2 diabetes downstream yep. you know what i mean it's like all these things that we know for a fact these, yeah, these cancers aren't the, and everything else yeah which is luckily we have Hunter Seven Foundation, Chelsea's out there yeah, getting Chelsea, everybody Chelsea's squared away. Same, man. Yeah, but like she is a crazy person. Luckily, she's getting <laughs> people squared away. But eat, like she can't. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure here, right? Absolutely. We've, we've got to do better about this stuff. And I like even having a career field that is like a farmer or some shit. Like you grow food or have chickens, so we can have real eggs instead of weird powdered eggs in a bag or whatever the fuck that shit is. I don't know what it is, to it, be honest. It's fucking horrible. Yeah, it's <laughs> gross. It's definitely gross. I just don't know what exactly is in there. I think I want to snatch one and send it off to a lab and see what's actually in there. To oh, be honest. and you'll be afraid what you find. Mm. But uh, but yeah, so there's a very very strong initiative to be able to do that. And while I was a SEAC in mm. the seat, you know, and I took this over from my my. Uh, predecessor john mm. wayne troxel there's Trox an initiative ca called uh total force fitness mm -hmm. and uh nutrition is a big part of it so i as a retiree right now i'm putting a lot of effort into getting that right mm. because good. we we need to go ahead and set up our future generation for success right on the battlefield and to make sure that we have able bodies to be mm. able to go ahead and do right. what the nation needs them to do yeah so we do these um panels here every year me and tim kennedy a couple other people uh, veteran suicide panels, right? And it's a big one of the points that I always like to make 
is that we have because because I think that the vet suicide issue has been mishandled like very badly, not just mishandled, but misunderstood to a great degree. We have a software problem and we have a hardware problem, right? We have 21 year olds on average in America now have the same level of testosterone that a 65 year old had in 2000 because of plastics, heavy metals, whatever the fuck it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then we have traumatic brain injury. We have all these hardware issues that need to get solved. And, but we only focus on the software issue. Well, we're going to send you to therapy. You're going to go to therapy for a while. Maybe they'll give you some pills for the hardware stuff, but we're not actually going to do any kind of holistic treatment on that to make it okay. We're just going to treat it. We're not going to fix it, but you can fix it. You can fix those problems, right? Mm -hmm. Those physiological problems. And at no point during the GWAT has there been a concerted effort from the government to fix that problem. There have been lone voices in the wilderness, like, can we please fix this shit, right? But it's never been policy to like, hey, and I was talking to General Donahue about this a couple months ago, like every every male in, in the army or in the military should get their testosterone levels checked right now, right now. Not just whether they've deployed or not, because the fastest growing contingent of active suicides are people who have never deployed before, right? That's not great. 30% of all active duty suicides are people who have never even seen combat. So you can't just say it's because of combat stress. It's not. It's something else. There's more to it than just that. So get people tested for that. See what their brain chemistry is like. We can fix these issues. They're fixable now. And it doesn't cost that much money. These, like, testosterone and peptides, it's less than, like, 200 bucks a month to treat that issue for one person. That's not very much money, right? Um, and then there's the software issue, which is, like, making people mentally resilient, giving them the tools to before they even get to combat. Like you, you were talking about the weapon system and stuff and then the human weapon. You, we would never let our primary weapon, our service weapon, be in the condition that we send our soldiers out into combat in ever, right? And we damn sure wouldn't put them on the rack like that when we got home. Yeah. But that's what we do with people. Yeah, and, and that's back to my point to where we have neglected that weapon system. Hmm. And... You know, another thing that I was doing while I was a SEAC is bringing that same awareness to where, you know, it's it's the definition of insanity. Thinking that we're going to keep mm. looking at the same graphs and everything else and just admire the problem instead of doing something about it. We need to do Well, we come up with checklists, more. right? Yeah. We come up with checklists. Let's do these things. Then we check those boxes and we move on with our day. We need to do a lot more. And one vignette that I typically brought up when I was actually advocating for Total Force Fitness was the medical system and this is no boss to the military medical system you know they're overtasked you know they're basically they have been gutted and they're doing their best that they can to go ahead and make ends but uh you know like a young man goes to the clinic nowadays with knee pain what do they do they just go ahead and make him sit in a in a room and give mm -hmm. him motrin yeah you know they don't right. look to see what the hell the problem is mm -hmm. or anything else in the ideal world if we were really to put our money where our mouth is in taking care of the weapon system the clinician will actually look at the injury and say okay let's go ahead and take a look what happened all right so you twisted it let's go ahead and look at your body composition mm -hmm. you're about 30 pounds overweight right. why are you overweight let's check your cortisol levels right. what's the stress in your life yeah. and then you start making the problem harder to better understand mm -hmm. it that's how you get to the software problem mm -hmm. when it comes to the mental resiliency and also to the hardware problem what is really going on in the body right but that's where we need to get to yeah. when it comes to the human weapon system we do that a lot of things are going to fall into place because people are going to understand 
their problems and they're not going to be like nobody can help me right. which that sign of despair is one of the biggest drivers for people to off themselves the biggest in yeah. my opinion yeah it's like I, I talk i've been talking about this specifically a lot lately when everything seems to be going okay but you still feel hopeless and miserable that's yeah. when people kill themselves right yeah. Yeah. because it's like well there's no light at the end of this tunnel fuck this right yeah that's like, it. and that's a normal like it sucks but that is a not normal but that's a reasonable way to react to that situation if you mm -hmm. if you truly feel hopeless well, you're gonna behave that way right well and i'll turn it up even one more notch i mean I, you recall when we had this this big issue with a lot of our elected officials complaining about, you know, the military being too tough on our recruits and basic training, and the Air Force even going to some cards, time out, you know, you can cry in the freaking uh, uh, day room if you want to. I'm just like, there's no room for that shit, you know? This young men and women, we are training them right now to do what 99% of the peers chose not to do, and that is to go into foreign lands to kick somebody's ass, you know? And even if they're administrative in nature, even if they work at the childhood, guess what? They're still gonna have to go forward, and chances are that the enemy is gonna reach out even in the yeah. places where they actually yeah. work. So that mental resiliency is really what we need to go ahead and, uh, and, and be, we need to be tougher with them. And not softer. Well, you know, uh, uh, Machiavelli said, if you are kind when you're supposed to be cruel, you'll be forced to be cruel when you're supposed to be kind. Absolutely. Right. And hey. you've seen the meme, you know, hard times, mm -hmm. you know, hard men, you know, create good times and yeah. everything else. I mean, that, there's a lot of truth to <clears throat> that. But we don't need everybody to be like that. We just need a well, certain the, group of people. But the 1% of people who actually serve in the military, maybe yeah. they should be like that, right? Well, yeah, they need, to, they need to be like or that. Or the .45 that deploy, right? That, but it's the problem with yeah. the world that we live in is that everybody's mm. trying to find a reason to make everybody the same, which is mm. bullshit. Yeah. Man, everybody's got a different duty. You don't try to make a fireman the same as a, as a police officer, right. the same as a doctor. Well, if everything so was the same, I wouldn't want to go travel. Like, I like traveling to Italy, for example. If it was the same as Austin... Why the fuck would I ever go there? Exactly. You know what I mean? You would just eat the same gruel every day. <laughs> Everything just gets sanitized and all the culture yeah. and interesting parts of life get removed. Yeah. You're, this is, we're talking about social and culturally, but this is very pragmatic. We have to win when we fight. Otherwise, yeah. our country doesn't exist anymore, right? Like, this mm -hmm. is a literal existential issue that we're facing. Well, and the other thing is that our youth right now is getting so accustomed to this catering mindset to where, you know, there's no need to be tough. You know, if I can just get by, somebody's going to bail me out of this. And man, you know, we're, we're, we are going down a very dangerous path to not having a decent warrior class to be able to fight the future wars of this nation. And people got to realize that, you know, freedom hinges upon the actions of those young men and women going forward and going ahead and going against an enemy that is determined to go ahead and reverse that. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, we're in pretty dire straits right now. And I hear people talking about it. Uh, definitely uh, you and Troxel, a lot of people, former like senior level military commanders are talking about it. But then there's a lot of people that are still in the military, still in politics who are saying the opposite of that. Like we need to make the military more inclusive for example now <clears throat> i think the idea of representation and inclusivity certainly has its place and you you brought up an example of it the other day we're recording wednesday the 23rd we're 150 years to the day after the first female doctor gra like got her medical degree 
in the United States, right? Can you tell that story? Yeah, so you're talking about Elizabeth uh, Blackwell. So here's uh, an immigrant. So there's there's a good story here on mm. how our society is also being bred to just go ahead and embrace the doom and gloom of things mm. and not the good things that come out of it. So an English immigrant that comes to the United States, um, she had a lot of uh, a lot of motivation to go ahead and take care of people. One of her good friends, another female, uh, is on her dying bed, and she's the uh, on her dying bed, and she's the one taking care of her. And as her friend is dying, she tells Elizabeth, "You know, I wish you would have been my doctor because you understand what I'm going through. Mm. Male doctors don't, and there's a lot of truth to that because sure, a yeah. male cannot really relate to a lot of the problems that females mm. face." So that was the motivating factor for Elizabeth to go to medical school. But the institution wasn't going to let her because she was a woman and mm. women had no business being doctors. So she fought it. And then when she finally got accepted into medical school, when they put it up for a vote for her admission, the males that were voting thought it was a joke. So they all voted yes. <laughs> and eventually she became a doctor. And after she became a doctor, she ended up getting other females to become doctors which created one of the biggest medical schools in New York City. Mm. And now when you look at the current state of affairs, there's about 50% of our doctors are female. Right. That is a good example mm. of why diversity matters because there are certain people that can understand things better than sure. others. Yeah. And not all of us are yeah. the same. And then and the other thing- you can, By the way, not to, not to interrupt, but yeah. you, can, you can map that onto the first iteration of US Special Forces. They were primarily European immigrants, right? Yes. That spoke the language and understood the culture and understood the topography over there, right? We, that, that, that was the first special forces operators were all fucking not American. I mean, they were, yeah. they were naturalized citizens, right? Well, yeah, and that, but you know, that's, that's yet another problem with our societies that we're so ahistorical to where we think that every problem is new. Where, man, we can go back 150 yeah. years and yeah. find a good example of why this matters. Well, every like 100 years, we rediscover the Stoics. Like, mm -hmm. have you heard of this Marcus Aurelius guy? Like, yeah, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of him, yeah. He's like one of the f brightest minds in human history, and we yeah. just forget he exists every 50 years. Yeah, because we get complacent, right? And, uh, you know, people tend to take a five-second soundbite or a headline, and they're making that their shorthand for critical thinking, mm -hmm. which basically you talked about the dumbest period of our society. It's because we're getting intellectually lazy. Mm -hmm. We don't like to get into the details or the history to better right. understand what is really going on. Well, that's why I like... that. That's why I think podcasts um, have been a really big part of this Overton window shifting back to normal a little bit because mm -hmm. people are starting to have, you know, we only do an hour, an hour and a half typically on our shows, but some of these guys are doing like multi-episode, like Sean Ryan, Joe Rogan, they're doing like three hour episodes, yeah. um, really getting in to the subject matter so people can, you know, it's hard. We're, we're used to debates. Like let's say presidential or congressional debates or something where people are like you ask it's a like question. Shit shows nowadays. Yeah, because it's a it's shit show. Characters. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense, right? It, yeah. They're just they're just caricature responses. They're they're they're. Uh, uh, it's like a drop down menu. Well, if they ask yeah. about taxes, I say this, right? Yeah. But now you're forced to actually explain why you think what you think, yeah. which is good because it's like showing work in math class. The reason your math teacher made you show your work in math classes so they could identify where you fucked up and then teach you how to correct that, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody tells you exactly why they think what they think, you can then go, yeah, but this part isn't correct. 
So if you change that, and you don't have to be a dick about it, if you change this little part right here, now how does it work out? Like do the problem again, but change this part to make it correct and see if you come to the same conclusion. Maybe you will, mm-hmm. probably won't, right? Like now your worldview is starting to change. Now you're living in a rational world again, which we are, you know, we're slipping away from that. It's very bizarre to me. Well, everybody's getting accustomed to what I like to call the first date dynamic. Mm. Now, any woman that you try to date will go ahead and put on the best face they can, the best outfit and everything else, just to impress you, to go ahead and get you to buy into what they're selling, right? And it goes the same for guys when they're trying to go ahead and uh, romance women. But the problem is, is if that is not who you really are, it becomes harder with time for you to sustain that persona. And eventually somebody's going to get sick of them. You know, but people nowadays, they try to pretend that they're smart for the moment that they have your attention in order to bid for a position that eventually is going to have lasting effects on the decisions that they make on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And when you call them out, what is the first thing that people tend to do? Well, they they cancel you. They cancel you. Well, you know, you're just not inclusive or they throw some other bullshit buzzword. But get into the root cause of problems and for people to have rational conversations, mm-hmm. to have a debate that actually is driven by facts, point, counterpoint, and to have the public seeing that dynamic taking place because you really believe in what you're saying right. to them and you really understand what the problem is and you really have a good grasp or an idea on how you're going to fix it. I think that that's when we start becoming a better society. Mm. Not this flash in the pan, well, oh yeah, you don't like the way I think about taxes where well, you suck because you're a criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah I mean, yeah. that's that's the way that things go nowadays. Yeah, silly. And I cannot even watch... Uh, political debates anymore mm. because man it's like the jerry springer show it's so stupid i mean they're not really answering anything that the american public is really interested mm. in if we're having a problem with our economy how about we talk about the solutions to the right. problem yeah. if we're having a problem with healthcare, how about we talk about the issue for what it is instead of like well you know you voted for this 15 years ago nobody gives a shit about mm. that man we want to we want to move on to the future right and we need people that are actually worthy of public service to our society. Well, the problem is people that desire power very rarely deserve it. Yeah. And people who deserve power very rarely desire it, mm-hmm. right? It's like a problem. Of, it's I think that's always been the case in mm-hmm. human civilization. So, you know, a lot of this is about, like, I. it is my belief that the stronger the individual is, the stronger the group is, right? I think that's, and that, that isn't, I, I learned that lesson in the military, right? Yeah, we come from that tribe. But I believe that it is true in all facets of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> I also think when the individual is most empowered, society is most free, right? Because everybody is now playing by big boy rules. We don't have to worry about, we don't have to, we don't have to cater to the lowest common denominator anymore because we're now self-policing ourselves and the people around us, both by our example and by holding other people accountable, Right. That is when we when you reach a critical mass of everybody, it's like tug of war, pulling on the rope in the same direction, then things go well. That's just how it works, right? And when everybody is, takes their hand off the rope and puts their hand out waiting for something, then everything falls apart. You know what I mean? And that's the stage we've been in for some time now. Um, <clears throat> now, it does speak to the resiliency of our country that it hasn't completely fallen apart, frankly. Like, I, I, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. It's impressive to me 
how fucked our leadership is and how we're still afloat. Frankly, I think it's impressive that the, the average ordinary citizen is still carrying on like this. Um, but there's a, there's a tipping point that we will reach if we don't course correct where we're going to fall off the edge of a cliff here. You know what I mean? Empires die. It happens, right? No. And we're not immune to it any, any more than anybody else might be. So, you know, I wonder from your perspective, well, let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes here then. The military command recently, right, including the new, uh, 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 the Air Force guy that took over uh, as, as the uh, Joint Chief, right? The first, uh, yeah. the, the first thing he said when he took over is that we need more diversity in the force, right? I don't know what he meant by that necessarily. Maybe he means it in a good way, but I feel like that's a weird thing to say coming out of the gate considering all the weird shit that we, that's been going on in the military the last couple of years. Well, you know, I, I've known General C.K. Brown for, for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I served with him in the, in the height of the fight against ISIS, and he's a warfighter. Mm-hmm. And whenever he talks about diversity, it's the way that he's always thought about empowering the people around him. When he talks about diversity, he's not talking about black or white. He's talking about diversity of thought because he values that. Okay. He's the one that will open the door for anybody that has an opinion on a subject. He provides that opportunity for them to add value to it. But that is really what he means to it. But a lot of people, you know, it's almost like, you know, certain words that actually spike your attention. Mm-hmm. Woke, you know, diversity, you know, uh, all of these other things that actually like have this negative connotation to them um, tend to tip us like, man, is he talking about this, you know, this poster of, you know, we're going to have mediocre people just because they look different, they're going to be right, part of it. Right. No, that's not the way he looks at it. And I know that for a fact because I know the man himself. And there's a lot of people like him in the service that are, you know, looking for that uh, meritocracy approach mm. to diversity and inclusion. We need to find the talent in different places, not in the same place where we found it. Yesterday. Yeah, you don't want to limit your talent. You wouldn't do that yeah. anywhere else, right? You wouldn't yeah, limit your you, talent. you wouldn't pool. do that. But there's also people within that decision-making process mm. that do embrace the other side of it. And sure. they're more concerned about the flash in the pan, this is how I'm going to fix this so I can go ahead and pat my resume mm. and move on. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And you have to be really, really worried of those people. Yeah. It's really weird to me that the Navy has a chief diversity officer. That's mm-hmm. weird as fuck to me, to be honest. And yeah. it's he, this guy, I don't know if you know him or not, but he is a DEI guy, which is DEI is insane. It, it is the cancer for a meritocracy. Now, we, the military has to be the ultimate meritocracy because the stakes are life or death, quite mm-hmm. literally. It, this, it's not, it's not, that's not hyperbole. The stakes are life or death. So, I know people react harshly to the word diversity, to, to inclusive, whatever the fuck like that. If it is a person like what you're talking about with the chairman who is 
trying to broaden the talent pool as much as possible. That has to be something that people can, that can one, be articulated to people clearly. And two, Mm -hmm. that people, even though they're anti DEI or whatever the fuck, you have to accept that because that's the right answer. The right, like if, if you had the opportunity to interview a hundred people or you had the opportunity to interview a thousand people and you had the, and you had the ability to do both, you have to fucking interview a thousand to get the best person, right? That's, that's how fucking math works. It's, statistical so you know don't let your i was talking to bj baldwin about this this morning actually just because you don't agree with somebody's solution to something doesn't mean there isn't a problem if that makes sense to you right it makes perfect sense so like when people were saying all the anti-cop shit in 2020 2021 everybody just wanted to say back the blue and whatever the fuck else and like, all right, cool. I support cops, good cops that do good shit. But is there a problem in policing? Sure. They're not trained well enough. They don't have the funding or the time to get trained well enough. We are gunfighters, right? Like I've put, I don't even know how many rounds I've shot in my life. The reason we're good at it is because of his rep, repetition, repetition. Yeah. but repetition and then exposure to stress during that repetition. So we go out into a gunfight and we look like we're, better at it and faster at it than we should be what are you a crazy person you you don't know you're not afraid no i've just done this a bunch it's literally all it is is repetition you give those cops the repetition and shit then they can become better at their jobs right if you defund them they get worse at their jobs that's fucking stupid right so yes i agree that 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 their solution to it is stupid but any reasonable person would agree that cops are undertrained. i think right so there's a there's just because you don't agree with that person's solution doesn't mean there isn't a legitimate problem going on there. Well, and the other thing is, you know, the pool of people eligible because you know when you look at first responders, that's the same pool of people that we're competing yeah. with yeah. for military service because yeah. they need to be able bodies to be able to respond to <clears throat> crisis. But you know, the problem with most people nowadays is that they again going back to the cancellation point. Mm. You know, we're gonna stop it until you get it right. Who's going to do the work if yeah. you stop something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do not defund an organization for the actions of a few. Mm. Hell, let's defund, you know, Congress or Senate right now. Because well, I would co- love to. Well, well I mean, <laughs> so, know. but I mean, it, it, it's the logic. And I'm not saying that we should because mm. then the government still needs to work. Mm. Look what happens when we have a government shutdown. Mm. We have been basically the recipients of that ass pain yeah. every year on the continuum resolutions. Yep. But we need to have an actionable body that is able to go ahead and continue with progress. And we don't like, we don't need to like every action that takes place as long as we have continuous progress. Mm. It is when we become stagnant or when we regress that I really have a problem with certain people doing things. Now, you mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion officials in certain organizations. I have seen some get it right and I have seen some get it grossly wrong. Mm. And People tend, if, if you look, uh, there was an organization here recently that I actually provided advice to when it came to uh, diversity and inclusion. And they were talking about, it's like, well, you know, we don't have enough females, we don't have enough, you know, blacks, we don't have. And I'm like, well, does that matter? I mean, so I turned to the CEO and I asked the CEO, it's like, all right, so whose company is this? It's like, it's your company, right? Who drives the mission statement? And the success of that. It's your vision and your mission statement because you own it. Now, are you going to hire people that look different 
and fail at that just to say that you're inclusive? Or are you going to go ahead, go ahead and have the best talent possible to realize those goals that you have? And if you do have the best talent possible, does it matter whether they're male, female, of color, or whatnot? No, it does not, as long as your mission gets fulfilled. Sure. That's what American Trackers is all about. I brought this up over here because when I was having the diversity and inclusion, I want you to take a look at this yeah. as, as we're doing that. But I mapped it out. I mapped it out for people because, man, you know, there's cultural issues, there's an ethos, you know, there's character issues that come along to it, there's opportunity. And it's not that simple as saying, well, we have females now that are fulfilling positions or responsibility. The question is, were they the best person for the position at the time based on on the competition? So we cannot afford to get that wrong because that is actually going to dilute the quality of the organization and it's eventually potentially going to go ahead and set somebody up for failure. Right. And it's going to, yeah. the most dangerous thing, what happens when you put mediocre people that high, they're high in ambition and low in potential, is that you rob somebody else the opportunity to go ahead and mm. prove their worth. Well, and yeah, they, I mean, you're fucking two people over, really. Because yeah. you're putting them in a, you're setting them up to fail and you're not even giving the other person the opportunity, right? Well, and, and then, and then you the, have to the entire the organization struggles, right? Yeah. And if you map that on to the military, it's a big deal, life or death. If you map it on to our entire culture, our entire society, then then we experience societal decay. It's like, well, you shouldn't be surprised by that, right? Yeah, and, and, and you shouldn't. But it all goes back to, uh, it doesn't matter what the poster looks like as long as you have the best of the best for mm-hmm. what you needed them to do. Yeah, I mean, it might just be the case that um, there are more of a certain group of people who are who like doing a thing and are motivated to do it and are good at it than another, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, there's nothing intrinsically wrong about that. As a matter of fact, in Northern Europe, in the Netherlands, um, Sweden, places like this, that have the most access, I guess, to, um, they are the most uh, egalitarian of societies on earth. For, for like, So there are no glass ceilings for women, people of color, things like that. It just doesn't exist there. They have higher rates of participation by gender and gender-specific jobs than anywhere in the world. So... In Northern Europe, right, in Scandinavia, I guess, um, 88% of nurses are women, where mm-hmm. the rate is much lower here, right? Yeah. Much lower here where, you know, we, we spend all this time talking about diversity and inclusion and shit, but when people have the opportunity to self-select into things, they choose the things that make the most sense for them, right? Which is why I always say, and I said it earlier, when the individual is the most empowered, you get the best results because people will choose the things that they're actually, they like doing and are good at. People naturally choose the things they're good at to do, right? Yeah. So let them fucking do it. Why, yeah. why are we taking a guy like, hey, you know, you're really good at this thing. I'm going to put you over here and let you do this now, but you know, because we yeah. need diversity. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. And, and it, well, it's got to be a passion, you know, and surprisingly, so I retired 3 November, right? And a lot of people come up to me and say, hey, so, so how are you liking retirement life? And I was just like, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, is it, is it less stressful than what you used to do? And I have to say, you know that for my entire military career, the reason that I hung around for 33 years is because I was following my passion. Mm-hmm. I enjoy what I was doing. Was it hard? Yeah. But that didn't mean that I was miserable doing it. I never stuck anywhere, anywhere where I was miserable. Mm-hmm. I always love, look for another avenue to be able to go ahead and fulfill you know, my needs as a human being and to be worthy of somebody's, you know, mm-hmm. of somebody's uh, time and effort. But you know, 
it goes the same, you know, for people to be able to find their passion. And if you have too many females doing this or too many males doing that, I don't, I don't think it matters. I think what matters the most is do they love doing what they mm-hmm. do? And it, were they given the opportunities in order to go ahead and rise to the occasion? Because right. I think that that is one of, of the most uh, underlooked factors on diversity and inclusion. And it is not anyone's fault, but it's something that a lot of people can take action mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And that is creating opportunities in places in America right now to where those young men and women don't know any better because they're surrounded by people that are just like them. Right. And they don't know that there's a way out. They don't yeah. know. A kid in the ghetto in Bridgeport mm-hmm. right now doesn't know that he has the potential to become an astronaut. Yep. A yep. little girl in freaking some rural town in Alabama doesn't know that she has the ability to become a doctor yeah. if she's given the right opportunities. Yeah, in that vein, I would highly recommend reading Colin Powell's biography, right? Good example of this. Uh, especially even when he was down at Fort Benning, um, they wouldn't let him eat at the uh, at the fast food places in town because he was black, right? Yep. It's like, okay, but this dude still served his country. These people in internment camps during World War II, Japanese people left the internment camp to go serve their country in war and shit like that. Like people, there's an old saying by a guy named, an English author called G.K. Chesterton. He said that men didn't love Rome because she was great. Rome was great because men loved her, right? Yep. And that's like, people with that kind of motivation it doesn't matter what you put in front of them they're going to charge through it and they're going to do the right thing for their country or their family or whatever it is you have to put people in the positions that they're going to be most successful and you you know what you would never ever hear somebody say is you know what we need to do is grow more uh, lettuce and corn in the desert why are we not why aren't there more farms in the desert like because they don't fucking grow there dumb dumb you know what i mean like you would never even think to say that but we say that about people yeah yeah. You know, and, and, there, and there's practical ways we wouldn't say it about people either. We wouldn't say there's not enough uh, five foot four Chinese dudes in the NBA. <laughs> so we've got to do something about that. That's fucking stupid, right? Like we would never even think to say something like that. So you, like maybe that's reductive to some degree, but you do have to apply that same logic to people. People choose like some people are naturally suited to do certain things. Yeah. But then, you know, based on their upbringing or their interests, they get into a position where, like yourself, for example, yeah. there are a lot of dudes I know who work in, like, as pack clerks and truck drivers, all kinds of jobs in the military, right? Mm-hmm. And they are perfectly happy doing it. They like it. They like serving their country. Um, and there are some people, like yourself and myself, if we were in a job like that, we would be in the brig at some point. We're going to jail or getting kicked out, right? Yeah. It's one of those two things. So why not let that process play out to some degree? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like nature is – I say this to people all the time <clears> – <throat> Your brain is a lot better at being a brain than you are at thinking, right? And nature is a lot better at figuring out where shit should go than we are. It just is because mm-hmm. it's been doing it for a long time and it does it dispassionately. Yeah. It doesn't have feelings to get hurt. It just, the right thing happens, right? Uh, definitely. And, you know, if, if you let the cards play out and you, you at least make people aware of the options that are available to them, man, it's, it's for them to choose. Right. You know, but you don't have to force things on people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they eventually are going to do whatever they want to do. But at the end of the day, you know, you cannot be bitching, moaning, and complaining just because you didn't do the work to get to where you needed right. to be. But So here's one problem I really have. We spend a lot of time these days talking shit about the next generation, right? Gen Y, Gen Z, whatever the fuck they are. I don't know what they are anymore. Um, we spend a lot of time like, oh, they're lazy. They're not motivated. 
they're whatever this like okay well we made them yeah. we made those people there are children there are fucking <laughs> we did that right so what level of responsibility are we going to take and you could see that as doom and gloom maybe but the good news is whenever you find whenever you look drill down into a problem and you find out that you're responsible for it you should always see that as good news because now you can fucking fix it like yeah. it is in your power to fix that now and it's in our power to fix it our education system needs a complete overall the fact that we're you know not teaching kids life skills we're not teaching them resilience mm-hmm. we're, we're if we're gonna if we're gonna teach them foreign languages it should be from ages like six to 12 and not from fucking 14 to 18 do you like this i can't ask you guys this question because you spoke languages before but for some fucking <laughs> cracker ass dude in south carolina that doesn't know any foreign languages trying to learn a foreign language at 14 in high school it ain't happening dude nobody yeah. remembers a goddamn thing they learned in high school yeah. language wise but if you teach if you start in first grade that kid will learn that language military couples do it all the time oh, when yeah. they live abroad i yep. mean we have you know kids that, that's why half the fucking agency yeah. back in the day was all kids that grew up overseas yeah the, i mean they learn it they're, they're sponges man mm-hmm. but you know i never i never ill speak of you know this generation just because at one point you know i had some old sergeant major that was like yeah you guys nowadays you know back in my day man it, it is life it's what happens we change we evolve but the one thing that I know about the current generation that is 70 is that they're capable, they're trainable, and they are they're smart. As fuck, smart. They are smart. They yeah. have all that information. Mm-hmm. We just need to unleash them to do what they yeah. need to do. Yeah. We, we need to get them in outside, right? Yeah. Use those. So they have learned the Socratic method, how to problem solve on these devices. Mm-hmm. We just need to get them into the woods and let them figure out how to do it there too. It's not going to be very difficult to do this by the way, because they already have the skill set. You just have to translate a little bit. Yeah. All right. So like, you know how to do X, Y, and Z on your machine here. Let's go out and do it. Let's go learn how to start a fire, right? Or whatever the fuck. Like these are practical skills that you learn. And again, um, something I was talking about this earlier this morning, there's a lot of new research out now that shows physical rough housing with your kids at a young age makes them more confident and resilient later in life for whatever reason. There's a lot of reasons. One is um, low-level conflict resolution, so they don't have a, a generalized anxiety about conflict. They make eye contact with people. Yeah. They shake hands, yes sir, no ma'am, shit like that. They're not like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and they're just staring into the device the whole time. They're not walking around like ostriches with their heads buried in the sand. Um, and then they don't fear low-level violence anymore, yeah. right? Which is part of life. You bump into people in a crowd and you're like, Oh, now I got to fight this guy. Like, no, you can just keep walking asshole. You know, um, just the ability to, the ability to manage cortisol specifically. The one thing that separates, uh, tier one and tier two operators away uh, from everybody else, even in the military, but everybody else generally speaking in society is their ability to burn cortisol at a much higher rate. This is a, this is a quantifiable fact. Now, if you take the average, super athletic gym rat from off the street who's never been in the military and then you take uh, uh like let's say a first group sniper right mm-hmm. that first group sniper is going to burn cortisol at a 30 to 40 percent higher rate than that dude who's in perfect physical condition right so it isn't just about being in shape it's about your mind yeah being in that shape too okay, so and that sets you up for success in life 
Yeah. Well, you know, this is just an example, and this is just probably, you know, one generation back. When, when I was the commandant of the PJ school, mm. I could tell who had been in a fight and who had never been in a fight, right? So when we did combatives, you know, I will call two people to come forward. Like an Oklahoma drill in football, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. So what I will do is, like, I want you guys to pay attention to what's going to happen here. I will go ahead and slap the first guy. <laughs> And if they actually went like this, mm-hmm. I was just like, you see that just created an opportunity to get their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody else that had a fight, when you smack them, they're going to square right back. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wait yeah. a second. What are you doing? This is where I need you guys to be. Right. Because this is going to be your life from now on. Mm-hmm. So you can teach that to people. Sure. I mean, and yeah. that is not assault. That is training. Yeah. yeah. You know? and if you, but, if, but if you start, the earlier you start, the less force it requires to teach that lesson. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we are doing, like, if you love your country, and I'm, I'm fucking serious about this. I'm not trying to be a dick or anything. If you love your country, you want to create strong, resilient children. I'm not telling you to hit your kids, obviously, but fucking go take them to wrestling. To yeah. Put them in jujitsu, but like take them to WWE, literally. Take them home and body slam them on the fucking bed and shit like that when they're three years old. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it builds that from a very low level. So when they get to basic training or when they get out into the real world and they go to college or get a job or start a business and things go wrong one day, they don't have a fucking meltdown. They're just like, oh, that went wrong. Yeah. Well, and for us, it was like my school growing mm-hmm. up in Puerto Rico. And I was getting they in don't fights. fuck around down there. No, no, no. I was getting in fights mm-hmm. probably, you know, two, three times mm-hmm. a week. You know, and, you know, from, from a young age, you know, you're mm. accustomed to where, men. you have a difference, you duke it out. Mm. And you went to the plaza and you freaking knocked it out. Sure, yeah. And then when the yeah. authorities came, you just kind of like, yeah, right first, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. But, man, it, it taught you quite a bit about life mm. and the fact that, hey, look, if you cave in when somebody actually becomes overly aggressive towards you, even though you have a better point of view than they have, you're going to lose. Right. And you can't afford to do that. No, might makes right is not good. No. Right. Because it isn't always the strongest person with the best idea, no. which is why, you know, community matters, too. And again, I'll bring it back to this. The stronger that individual is at the lowest possible level, the stronger, stronger we all are. Think of it as links in a chain or however you want to, you know, do the metaphor. But it is a universal truth that that's the way it is. It is. It is. You know, it's, it's, it's collaboration. It is teamwork. And it is a, a common understanding mm-hmm. of the greater good. Yeah. So you like. After all of the negativity from DEI, and I think most of it comes from the critical race theory stuff that pisses people off, but diversity, inclusion, especially like you said of thought, you're tackling a problem in in Western culture and in your, to some degree through your consulting in corporate America that is like, okay, you're close. You, you've got the gen, right general idea, but your execution's fucked up. You're doing it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Your idea is okay. Here's how to do it correctly. I think that takes a lot of balls to do that, to be honest, because a lot of people watching this who would hear like, oh, CZ's out doing fucking DEI presentations to people. What the fuck? Thought he was a good guy. You know what I mean? Or something like that. It's like, yeah, but you got to drill down and listen to what he's actually fucking saying, man. He's giving people an organizational structure to make good decisions in their hiring practices. Well, and again, a lot of the training, the training training doesn't doesn't mean promotion, of some of the stupid stuff that is going on out there. Right. Training means helping people understand the true value of it. Mm. And we thought we talked of Elizabeth Blackwell. That is a perfect example of why diversity works when mm. it's right. Because you're unleashing <clears throat> the power of somebody to be able to do that. And I 
put that in front of you so that you better understand where I'm mm. coming from when it comes to this diversity and inclusion stuff. Yeah. Because there's a lot more, it's a complex problem, mm. but it's not about the optic, it's about the value sure. and what people bring to the organization. Yeah, and think about it, you know, Think I, mean, I think a lot of guys who are, who've been in the military will, will understand this. Some people grew up in places where they didn't go out in the woods a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I remember, well, actually, when, some of them did, but I guess like a, somebody that grew up in a city, right? Yeah. That didn't understand what it was like, and then you have some kid from Tennessee that's in that's a private in your unit, like hey, uh, and he's like, don't worry, I, I've just. I can fix your truck right now, dude, in the fucking barracks parking lot. You don't have to go yeah. to the mechanic. You're like, oh, shit, okay. This guy's got some unique experience. And, yes, yeah, in some ways it's tied to his culture and upbringing where he grew up and maybe mm-hmm. his race to some degree. Maybe it's tied to that because of experience and culture and shit. But it isn't because he's white that he knows that. It's because of the experience, right? Yeah. So you got to parse that. It's the experience and education and knowledge that matter. And then the motivation as well, right? Does this person actually give a fuck about this? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're pretty good at math. Do you want to come be our math guy? It's like, uh, Einstein didn't like doing math. That yeah. wasn't his thing. You know what I mean? He hated it. There's a million quotes about it. Even in his dialogue between him and Oppenheimer, he's like, I don't, like, here's my equation, but I don't want to do any math. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so just because somebody's good at something doesn't necessarily mean you put them in a position that just does that. Like, that might they might be good at it for a reason, and that reason might be something that you can you know, put them in a position based on, right? Yeah, and you know, when you really look at it as a whole, you know, diversity and inclusion is about nothing more than covering the blind spots that we, we're not even aware mm-hmm. that are there. It's not about blindly following somebody's stupid mm-hmm. agenda. Yeah, but so, we do, the way we've done it is so fucking stupid. But like, you know what we need to do is we need to get more uh, people of color to opine on this so we don't, we're not missing gaps. And what we really get are white liberals canceling people, right? Like, what the fuck? Like, some old, older white ladies is bitching at me about something. I'm like, you're not the person I need to be talking to right now, right? Mm-hmm. I need to be talking to this person with unique experience. Why are you telling, why are you speaking on their behalf? Why yeah. are you taking their voice away, right? That's fucked up to me. And yeah. it's a thing I think that pisses most people off about it, to be honest, is you're, you're literally like this idea that, you know, a certain political party has been, uh, uh, talking about over the last couple of years where black people don't have the ability to get driver's licenses or hire a lawyer to start or start a business or something like that. Oh, these can't do that. So we got to make it easier. Like, no, people are fucking perfectly capable of doing these things. And why would you even say they're not? That's weird that you would say they're not right. Well, and, uh, so we try, we try to generalize so much to where we lose the essence of the localized problems that mm-hmm. we have. So maybe that is the case in some rural place in America. Mm-hmm. So I mean, why, Irish people probably can't get driver's licenses either. They don't so, know how. So why don't we fix the problem for them and teach them yeah. how to I make mean, it if right? That, if that's indeed the case, right? Yeah. It, isn't, it isn't always the case. Sometimes it's, what do they call it, the... Uh, subtle racism of lower expectations or something like that i think is a phrase some people use yeah i'm, not, like, I'm not familiar yeah with it's it. like solve the problem i say this all the time if you're a limited government person if you're a libertarian or conservative person and you genuinely believe in limited government just because you don't like blm doesn't mean you can't look at that problem and be like you know what that's my country made and i'm gonna just because you don't like their solution to the problem doesn't mean there isn't one like, okay, well, let's go in there and solve that problem so the government doesn't come in and create a bunch of fucking rules we don't like, yeah. right? That seems like a much better solution than sitting around and waiting for somebody to come solve your problems for you. 
and I have met brilliant people of all sorts. And we're not just talking about background, gender, race, mm-hmm. religion. I mean, I have met some some pretty magnificent people. I have also met a lot of rotten people oh, that yeah. come from the yeah. same this, those same groups. But we have to have the ability to have the conversation with each group to better understand what is it where they're coming from. Sure. And the first go-to shouldn't be like, well, you're being racist because you're not understanding me. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah, ignorance is not... No, like no. intentional. You know what really time. chapped my ass? Um, a couple of things. So, um, as I was growing up and I was, you know, getting promoted in the Air Force, uh, a couple of my peers actually said, "It's like, well, you know, we got to fill the quota. You know, we don't have enough Hispanics." Man, I was like, "Fuck you, man!" No, I, I mean, how must that how must that feel even in government for somebody of a certain group to get promoted politically, get a, get an assign or a, a posting or assignment or something, or even in corporate world get a job? It's like you you know it when it's a diversity hire yeah. that cannot feel good for you right well no and and it, and it, it shouldn't feel good for the person because every single position that i have held i was extremely proud because i knew the hard work that i put <laughs> towards it and i yeah. knew my competition you don't you don't become the uh, uh the commander of the training uh, squadron or or the siac because of your fucking race, right? No, I mean, that's not, no, that no, no, no. It's capability yeah. and it's effort and it's reputation, mm. character. Mm. All of these things play into it. And then, you know, another example was when uh, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force got selected, Joe Bass. Mm. You know, this was at the height of the diversity and inclusion mm. stuff. Well, she's getting put in there because she's a female. No, she was the best person mm. for the job at the time. Right. And I can speak to that because I was in the middle of all of it. Mm. So, but people, you know, they 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 look at the at at, at the situation, and they jump to conclusions mm. just based on what the flavor of the month is for what people are bitching and complaining about. <clears throat> Man, we just gotta give the benefit of the doubt in a lot of places. Now yeah. you're gonna get to see it when it's grossly wrong. You'll get to see it, and you'll be able to sniff it a mile away. Like uh, Pete Buttigieg, for example. The worst secretary, the worst cabinet level secretary I think I've ever seen. I'm not trying to get you to opine mm-hmm. on this at all, but he's the transportation secretary. And we've had like comical error after error. And the only reason he's in his position is because of demographics, right? I mean, it's pretty clear he was a diversity hire. But then, you know, you see, I, I, we, were, we were talking about it earlier. One example we see like that, and then it's like fruit of the poison tree. We just think that every posting, every assignment is just nepotism or diversity now and it's not always true right Mm -hmm. like as much as it is as much as it sucks when somebody gets put into a position like that for bad reasons it also sucks that we as individuals allow that to poison our minds about everybody else right one example is not everything no we have to stop thinking that way you know what i mean because you're you're damaging the meritocracy too when you think that way Mm mm-hmm you are you are and you're robbing people of opportunities mm-hmm. you know to a sense to where highly capable people are not even gonna apply just because they know that it's gonna go a different direction yeah, isn't and that, that fucking is the sad. most dangerous place that we could be mm-hmm. when we're basically <clears throat> telling talent to screw off because we're gonna go in a different direction yeah and i wonder out of the if it's 77 percent of 19 to 26 year olds that are in, in not 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 capable i guess of military service out of that other 23 percent, how many people actually even give a fuck about doing it or think it's a good idea to Half serve the country now about 13 percent. Right? so it's only we're, we're working with 13 percent of the country yeah basically 13 yeah. percent to fill the one percent 
And it yeah. used to be, what was it? In World War II now, there was a draft, obviously, but most people signed up in lieu of getting drafted because they wanted to choose their service. But yeah. um, I think there were 16 million people that were in the military at the time. Or I'm sorry, not 16 million people. 16% of the eligible males joined military service in some way or another. Yeah. Now it's like 0.45%. Yeah. Right. Well, and uh, so the the three quarters of society, I think, has been pretty consistent throughout mm. the ages, you know, because of criminal records and so right. on. <clears throat> the the problem that we have right now is that there's a lot more health related issues mm. that are impacting. Basically, it's not a matter of choice. It's mm. you can't. You literally can't. Yeah, yeah. You really, really can't. What is that four F? I guess. It, right? Well, yeah, and then the other part of it is the propensity to serve. Mm. You know, um, I was at a forum one time. And uh, there was uh, a general officer that actually stated that, you know, in today's environment, I wouldn't let my daughter serve. I'm hearing that a lot, actually. Well, so. from from And it, that used to be the best recruiting tool was you and I would send our kids to the fucking military. Exactly. Pasha would send his kids to the so, military. So this, this flag officer said that in a public forum with a bunch of junior mm. people. So. My first inclination was just to shoot her straight in the face right there. <laughs> but I said, you know what? Take the high road. Mm. I pulled her off the stage afterwards, and I said, ma'am, you realize what you just did there? Mm. Telling that group of young people that you wouldn't even let your daughter serve? You are a general officer. Right. What are you doing about the fucking problem? Mm. Instead of saying that, I'm not going to fix it, and I'm not even going to let my kids come into it. Yeah. You are part of the problem. Yeah, I remember my uh, one of my first sergeants, Kenny Johnson, he ended up being uh, working down at the School of the Infantry on his last billet, I think, as a sergeant major. But um, he told me one time, if you're in an environment where you don't like how things are being run, then you work harder, get yourself into a position of leadership, and then you start making fucking you make changes. You make the change. Right? Yeah. And... It's like anything else is quitting. Frankly, yeah. don't 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 fucking black pill. Don't retreat from society and become one of these sigma males and then pretend like you're the smart guy or like you figured it out or like oh, I'm the cool one because I I'm not even going to play that game. No, you're a fucking pussy. And don't be a leech. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you and you have to become a leech at that yeah. point, right? Because yeah. you're not providing any value to yeah. society. Don't be a leech. I mean, if you're not going to fix the issues, then move out of the mm. way so somebody else yeah uh, will do that. Yeah, and it, again. That's harsh language, but the, the the reason I use it is because once you identify that you are part of the problem, then you get, it is now in your power to fix that. That is a gift. It is a gift. Mo a lot of people get put in positions in life where they can't, like a child, for example, they don't have the choice mm -hmm. to affect their own circumstance. I grew up in a fucking abusive household. I didn't have any choices there, right? So when I get out, now I try to give other people choices. That's, that's your duty as a fucking human being. Forget about military service. Just baseline human being, that is your duty, to take your pain and suffering and turn it into empathy and action for other people. Right? Yes. That's why we serve. Like it's, it's the impetus, I think, for all mankind, frankly, to do that, M male and female. It's just like that's what we do. You know what I mean? So do it or don't. But don't fucking try to high road anybody. Don't pretend like you're a good person if you're just tending to your own desires. Because you're not. You're a piece of shit, frankly. Well, yeah. And, you know, I value to society. And then don't complain about society when you're not doing your part mm -hmm. to go ahead and make it better. Yep, 100%. So. Well, look, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming today. If there's anything you could leave people with today, 
you know, what would you have to say just, you know, for people moving forward in American, American life? One thing that I would like to say is, is, is for everyone to be more accountable about what they can and cannot do. Uh, be respectful of the people that actually have those positions of responsibility that are working hard to go ahead and make things better. And be responsible for your own actions, your home, the people that you own, the upbringing of your children, you know, the values that you institute on them. Because at the end of the day, that is what matters in America. It is the individual that eventually creates an environment, whether it's via influence or by collaboration or membership, that eventually becomes the norm for everybody else. But unfortunately, there's too much negativity out there. There's too much victimhood. Uh, and I know that I'll probably get blasted by using the word victimhood because that is tab taboo right now because people go through hard things. Yeah, I had a hard life myself. You had a hard life. You just said it. But it is a matter of being a victor and actually overcoming those things and not living your life, playing that same fiddle, and finding a way to make sure that you teach somebody else what it means to be resilient in order to go ahead and overcome those things and be a productive member of society. We do that, we're gonna be steady as she goes, we're gonna be living up to the reputation that Americans have, and we can potentially make a better place for everyone else. That's Yeah, it's great advice. And again, it's a gift to know that it's actually in your power to do stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. you As have to control gift. your own yeah. destiny. I mean, you can't, that's all you can ask for. Like, the, all you can really control in life is your attitude and your effort. That's and, it. And when, when the circumstances are such that you can actually use your attitude and effort to directly affect your life and the life of others, that is a gift, and it is, it is immoral to waste that gift, in my opinion. You're letting people down, including yourself, even. Yeah. Um, well, look, thanks, sir, for coming today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Appreciate it, brother. And, uh, Really, uh, really glad that we finally got to do this. Yeah, it's great. Uh, very great. We'll do it again sometime soon. Um, maybe drink it, bros, sometimes. I don't know. We're get, getting you and Ross <laughs> around each other might be your problem because he's going to say some <laughs> weird shit. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll do this show again for sure sometime soon. Uh, thank you again for coming. All right, brother. Yeah, and thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.